Hello everyone. Hello to lovers of artificial intelligence and robotics. Hello to you that want to keep yourself updated. My name is Puyan and I am a PhD student of robotics at University of Sherbrooke. You are listening to the first episode of Sherbotics podcast. This podcast will be produced weekly with the collaboration of the CFAK radio station at the University of Sherbrooke. In each episode, I'll cover various interesting topics of robotics and AI, such as reviewing hot news, a book introduction, glance at movies, and so on. Also, there is another great part for you. Uh, I'll interview successful startups in the AI area all around the world, and I'm pretty sure that you will learn lots of valuable experience from their failures, challenges, or achievements. You can listen to the Sherbotics podcast through famous Android or iOS apps. Moreover, the links of all episodes will with some essential explanation about each part, such as pictures, posters, links, source, and so on, will be posted on www.sharebotics.com. Last but not least, I just need your support for this free podcast. Don't forget to tell me your opinion about each episode. We are here to live and learn. Okay, uh, let's go to start the first episode officially. Here is Sherbotics, and you are listening to the first episode. In this episode, I'm going to tell you some awesome news. Introduce you a great book and a great movie. Besides, in this episode, you can listen to an interview with a successful startup in Montreal. If the quality of the voice is awful or there are other problems, I'm sorry. I promise you, I will be better with such experiences. And... I should mention again that all data links or pics of this episode are available on sharebotics.com. It is better to start first with news and articles. I tried to select the most interesting robotics or AI news in this month. From the next episode, I will cover the news or articles of weeks. The first article is written by Rodney Brooks, who was a professor of robotics at MIT University. The title of this short article is An Inconvenient Truth About AI. AI won't surpass human intelligence anytime soon. For me, this article was so engrossing because almost all the people believe AI is near the human brain and social media are telling some fake news about the real story behind the technology. This article tries to show limitation of AI with simple examples. In general, the article tells a short history of AI and its application from the 1960s until now. In addition, there is a clear graph about the history of AI that you can see in the original article. According to this article, now is the third wave of major investment in artificial intelligence. 
The first and second era, eras of AI occurred in the 1960 and 1980s, respectively. The gold sentence about applications of AI in human history is, regardless of what you might think about AI, the reality is that just about every successful deployment has either one of two expedients. It has a person somewhere in the loop or the cost of failure is very low. It means if you analyze the AI applications, you will find some of them like self-driving systems need a person to supervise them. Or in some cases, we accept the efficiency of AI is somehow good. Moreover, when you want to talk with a robot, you will adapt yourself with it and this factor doesn't mean that its performance is perfect. We can conclude that you should not ask your AI system what can do for you, but instead think about what it has tricked you into doing for it. The researchers of the University of Waterloo developed a real-time relic generation technology to inspire songwriting. The name of the system is Lyric Jam. This system supports the songwriting process. When artists play musical instruments, the system will listen to the audio stream via a microphone and generate lyric line in real time to match the music being played. The process of the system is not to write a song for the artist. Instead, this system will help artists to realize their own creativity. The system generates poetic lines with new metaphors or expression, potentially leading the artists in creative direction that they haven't explored before. This system works based on the neural networks and you can test inside their official website. In my opinion, it is so nice. Also, in the future, such system replaces with songwriters. The pandemic has presented both problems and opportunities for robotic company. You think, uh, what areas are the top 10 trends and predictions in 2022? Follow me to tell you a summary of an article in this regard. The first one is smart factories. It can be expected that the industry will go further in automation and operations, will be faster, more efficient, and more precise, with fewer inconsistencies. The second one is collaborative robots or cobots. It is projected that next year, the rate of using cobots to have more safe and more efficient environment will increase. Also, due to recent advancement in programmable software, this industry is expected to increase significantly by 2025. Number three, using of new ML-based algorithm in industrial robots is going to rise instead of pre-programmed robots. Robotic opportunities expanded is the fourth one. The need for robots has risen during the last decade, especially in the COVID-19 pandemic. It will continue to grow at an exponential rate in the coming decades. Number five, each new technological advancement will ultimately be incorporated into new robotics and automation system designs and models. So, in the next year and after that, the technologies will play their main role in robotics. 
For example, 3D sensors, ultrasonic technologies, and infrared cameras. Number six is labor shortage and robotics. In near future, many jobs will be replaced by robots, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic we had seen that humans could not work as normal. Number seven, the next item relates to the increasing adoption of agile robots by consumers and retailers. Number eight, the contactless service is the most important predictions for artificial intelligence in 2022. For example, some stores may let customers do their shopping using self-shopping techniques, such as virtual trail work, scanning, and price tag checking. Number nine, it is anticipated that by the year 2022, generative AI is used by larger business to create three-dimensional and two-dimensional pictures in the marketing industry for, for product depiction and brand representation. Right now, designing fake pictures or videos is easier than previous, and it can help business to have better visual representation based on the amount of interest. And the last one is learning through reinforcement. Reinforcement learning has been proved to be useful in the development of many real-time applications. As the last article, I am interested in talking a bit about the human robot of Tesla that was introduced on the 19th of August at the end of Tesla's AI day. This autonomous bipedal general-purpose human robot is known as Tesla Bot. After dominating the electric vehicle market and having a huge impact on space with reusable rockets, Elon Musk announced their new androgynous or partly male and partly female humanoid robot that will be built next year. This robot will be able to perform basic repetitive tasks with the aim of eliminating the need for people to handle dangerous or boring work. Yeah, but I think essentially in the future, uh, physical work will be a choice. If you, if you want to do it, you can, but you won't need to do it. At the first sight, when I heard the news of Tesla Boat, I appreciated Musk again because I always expressed my gratitude for his influence on the world. However, after watching the Musk official presentation, I was wondering, is it possible or it's just a show? Um, but uh, basically... If you think about what we're doing right now with the cars, uh, Tesla is arguably the world's biggest robotics company because our cars are like se semi-sentient robots on wheels. Um, and with uh, uh, the full self-driving computer, essentially the, the inference engine on the car, which we'll keep evolving, obviously, and uh, Dojo, uh, and all the uh, neural nets recognizing the world, understanding how to navigate through the world, uh, it it kind of makes sense to put that onto a humanoid form. Without any doubt, Elon Musk is a smart man, not only in idea, but in marketing. He knows how to change his game and play with social media. Okay, uh, let's a little talk about this news that shook the world of robotics. Recently, I read an article from Ivan Ackerman, senior editor at IEEE Spectrum, that was really near to my opinion. In sharebotics.com, I put the original link that you can read, hold the article. 
The title of the article is Elon Musk has no idea what he's doing with Tesla boat. Yes, in a simple way, Musk has underestimated the process of building an intelligent human robot. When we talk about rockets or electric cars, we are talking about technologies that existed and companies of Musk had tried to improve them. But when we are talking about human robots, we should be careful because unlike rockets or cars, human robots aren't an existing technology. This type of novel markets need an ambitious vision plus a team of clever people and sustained financial investment. In addition, it is the case that companies such as Boston Dynamics and Agility Robotics are working on human robots, and you can see there are still lots of challenges for solving. Building Tesla Bot until next year is possible, but I think that it won't look like the exact concept of Musk's presentation. It is a little naive idea to think that Tesla can build a far better human robot in comparison to other companies like Boston Dynamics. Maybe Musk think if other people were cleverer or work harder or invest more money at the problem, then we would have had a general purpose from human robot already. We should stay until next year to see that how will be Tesla boat. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. In this episode, I talk with Michael Prolt and Alex Benjamin from iFall Startup in Montreal. Michael is CEO and Alex is the lead AI developer. The iFall enhances the vision of visuality impaired people affected by age macular degeneration by combining augmented reality and AI. In their startup, at first, an AI algorithm analyzes patient's optometric data and determine how he or she see the world. Then their XR platform works iteratively with the AI algorithm to determine the best visual enhancement for patient's need. Finally, the AI and XR platform work together to analyze user behavior and fine-tune the visual enhancement. Therefore, patient's glass get smarter and more accurate with, the, with time. Let's go to hear this short interview. Uh, after the first question, please tell a brief explanation about your startup, its working area, and who is your product the most useful? So, um, what we're doing uh, at Eiffel, we're helping people affected by age macular degeneration, uh, which is affecting people that are mostly uh, a little bit later on uh, in their life. And basically, it's uh, the first cause of uh, low vision in North America and Europe. And it causes uh, some blurred spots, some dark spots. And the problem is not fixable by your regular glasses. So we came up with a new way of doing things using augmented reality uh, to try and uh, modify what they see so that we can address uh, their vision based on their own uh, symptoms. So there's a big component uh, that is understanding what they see uh, to tailor really the experience for each and every, and every individual there. Uh, thank you very much for your explanation. As I uh, to- as I understand, uh, mainly your startup works uh, on a vision enhancement, especially for uh, age age-related uh, degeneration. I mean, uh, in, it tried to enhance the vision ability for, especially for age people, is true? Exactly. 
That's great. And uh, I want to know that what motivates you to start this company or in the better world, why did you choose to enter in this particular area? Uh, so a couple of years ago, I uh, had some health issues. I got to the hospital and I was hospitalized for about a week and I uh, got a diagnosis of uh, multiple cirrhosis. I was lucky enough that there's a lot of technology, a lot of developments in this sector to help me be trade on my feet and everything's working well for me. But unfortunately, it made me realize uh, what my grandmother was going through at the time as she had macular degeneration and there was basically nothing that could help her on the market and she was just left to herself. Uh, she spent her whole life helping others and when it was time to help her, there was nothing else for, the, uh, for her. So this is why we started the company to try and tackle this huge problem that affects millions of people in, uh, in the world. Great. So based on your real life experience, when you talked about how to solve the problem, how to solve the problem of your grandmother, as you told. So you think that you can be uh, you can expand your experience in this regard to be more useful for many people. Exactly. And uh, uh, be, uh, before in previous times, this is your first uh, startup or you had failed a startup before, I mean, um, so myself, it's my first startup. Alex has uh, more experience than I knew uh, in the sector. Though. Really, and uh, I'm really glad to know about your previous uh, experience in this regard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as Michael is mentioning, I done a stint with a startup before. Um, a colleague of mine and I founded a startup, and it was loosely based around um, three-dimensional medical imaging. So being able to uh, essentially recreate 3D structure of your internal organs and then project that structure onto the patient um, for invasive procedures or operations or, uh, you know, anesthetics, things like that. So it's this idea of being able to actually see um, what's going on so that you actually have some feedback, some visual feedback. Um, it didn't it didn't pan out. Um, it, we, we did it for a couple of years and didn't gain enough traction. There was not enough money. Um, I was also getting my PhD at the time, so there were other challenges, but that was that was loosely the idea. It's a good experience, but didn't work out. So it's good, and uh, absolutely, I think that you got a really, as you told, a really good experience about your previous times, and I think it's really helped you now in the current, and you can use it. Yeah, definitely. Really, really, uh, really uh, interesting, and. Uh, a little I want to know because for many people who wanted to, they are lover, love to, uh, to to start a company, to having a startup, they wanted to know more about the challenges about because uh, beside the success that you have or other startups may have, there are a really more important, most important part that that relates to the challenges, the failures and something like that. At first, I want to know that uh, what are or what were your challenges? At, 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 at first, this question I want to do. I want to know that what were your challenges when you when you wanted to establish this start, startup? I mean, about the uh, financial, about any aspect that you wanted, uh, collecting group, uh, hiring, and something like that. So, indeed, uh, the financial is a big challenge when you start a company from scratch, uh, trying to get some funds together to 
hire people and to be able to do some development because we all know uh, development costs money. Uh, so that was indeed one of the big ones, but also to val the, the, the biggest one would I would say the thing that really really focused on at the very beginning was validating at that if we were to develop this technology, there would be a market that would um, that would be there. And I was not just in my own mind in a silo thinking about my grandmother, but the market would respond well. The the, the different experts in the medical field could be interested in uh, providing this kind of technology to their own patients. And that the market would be ready to uh, to get such a device. So uh, that was really, really a big point that we addressed really early on uh, and got some partnership with some uh, interesting uh, players in the industry, such as the School of Optometry of the University of Montreal, which is one of uh, the great partners that we've got from the very onset. And uh, now we've got a couple more, uh, such as uh, the Quebec Association for Macular Degeneration that is this association for all the people that have this disease in Quebec. They're really excited about what we're doing. Uh, and it shows that exactly there's a market for it. And it's not just tech for being tech. It's not just something cool that we're doing, but it's something that people really want to buy uh, and are ready to spend money on. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's really what is a business. It's not just tech. It's a way to make profit also. So, uh, as uh, you told, and I think uh, the financial and at the start, and you absorbed the, I mean, have obtained the many trustworthy about the people who wanted to invest or people who, as a customer, I think is the main, main challenge for you, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, based on this, I mean, based on these challenges that uh, is normal, and uh, as you told behind your words. Uh, and in my opinion, uh, one of the problem and challenges for new startups, besides their technology, is how they wanted to uh, tell others that, okay, we have this technology, please buy from, because the, uh, the final thing is that you wanted to buy your technology and be not only beneficial for the society, but to earn money. It's normal for every uh, company, every, every uh, I mean, startups. So uh, based on your experience, like you, as you mentioned, and right now, you think that uh, where, where do you imagine, imagine that this startup will be in the next years, especially the next five years, for example, or next next 10 years? Um, we're in the med tech uh, sectors. It's a little bit longer compared to a lot of technical startup where you just have to do something and throw it in the market and people uh, will buy it or even better, sell it to the market and then do it. Um, because we've got uh, this medical sector, um, we need to go through clinical approbation. We need to do clinical trials at the all the ethical committee stuff, and then we are able to finally start and getting to the market. And then it's long sales time with hospitals, with clinics. Um, so what we're seeing for the five, next five years or so is really going to be that uh, we're going to be at a point where we can uh, start these big challenges and starting being having a product really in the clinics and having some problems with logistics, for example, uh, where there's a, something was uh, unheard of or something was uh, not well planned out because this is going to be what's going to happen for all startups. There's going to be mishaps and 
every company. Uh, but right now it's mostly development and probation. Uh, but having a product on the market and being able to uh, fix these problems where uh, the operational side is going to be leading a little bit the way. Yeah. And and I, I know that uh, the startups like you have a really, really uh, the bright future because they are really novel. And uh, I, I hope and I like to see the progress of your startups like you because they really enhance the quality of life. And as a uh, not not uh, as a general question, uh, I'm interested to know that if as a, a startup, if you wanted to choose one biggest failure. For me, is failure is more interesting than success because I know that your success at, at, at and really good works and many. I mean, but if you wanted to choose one your biggest failure, which uh, which thing you you can say tell me and about the, your failures and besides success, your works. I mean, yeah. So one of the things. I mean, you're right. So there's there's a bunch of successes, a bunch of failures. Um, not really a failure, but Yeah, it is what it is. So one of the things we cannot do as startups, and this is true for most startups, is that we cannot compete with the open market for talent in terms of pay. Um, oftentimes, what happens is that you know people who are talented get the market rate, and they end up at big corporations sometimes, or or other startups that are that have the capability to give them market pay. So you know, recently we had an excellent employee um, who was one of the early earliest uh, people to join the company who you know who did most of the development for our product and uh, he left and you know no hard feelings he's wonderful we wish him all the luck but that's certainly a blow to our development and our company um, that we could not compete to keep that kind of talent in house so um you know we've we've since found someone else but you know it always hurts a bit to, to lose good good people it's harder to find so yeah thank you And uh, uh, right now, uh, how many people work in your uh, startups? Uh, I, I checked your website, but I wanted to ask from you directly that. And it, for me, the number is not very important. It's okay, you tell me. But I, for me, it's a little more important to know that uh, with startups like you, which you you are uh, you are interested to which type of skills to hire people, which type of skill are really really beneficial for you. Yeah, so as it stands, as it stands now, we have uh, the majority of our focus, I would say nearly 70% is dedicated to tech development. Um, and the other 30% is dedicated to business, uh, finance, operations. Um, and we are currently five full-time, two interns. Um, and we are hoping to have two more UI UX designers join us. So we potentially would be a maximum of nine people. Um, in the company. And primarily, as it stands now, the stage that we're in now, the majority of the emphasis is, of course, on tech development and validation. Um, and in in parallel, also fundraising, because um, if there's no money, there's there's no business. So eventually we'll see that pivot a little bit. We'll get into more regulatory and uh, medical, the medical space as well. In terms of skills, Uh, I would uh, add also that the, there's some skills that are going to be important across the board. Uh, 
it's going to be true for technical people, but also for non-technical where you're going to have, you're going to need some creativity and some wit and what you're doing. We're going to need, we need some people that um, want to take basically no resources and turn it into something. Um, And that's the kind of uh, people that don't fit everywhere. Um, It's often going to be the outsiders, the people that, uh, have the, have some frustration in them to, to some extent because things are not going fast enough at other, at other places or things are going to be too complex uh, in terms of structures. Uh, these are really the kind of people that we're looking for um, that are able to make a thing in the universe and want to want to party with us and have some fun uh, doing something that's going to change the life of people uh, and have a big impact on such a project. Yeah, I think uh, if I wanted to uh, comfort, confirm you, I, I mean, I think that as on the other hand, for you, uh, is it better to have a teammate that is not only patient, but is multitask and could handle many challenging situations? And because in a startups, people should uh, do uh, not be, be good to many tasks. And also, they, as you told, they should be patient because it's normal and, and they should think about the future that how they wanted to change the society, the, the technology, and many things. And for, um, as Alex told, for the uh, tech, to the, the tech development sections, I mean, the part that 70% you told that people uh, works, uh, mainly their works are based on the uh, working or in, in improving the algorithm, artificial intelligence algorithm, I mean, for your works, or no, they may be other parts and that's uh, twofold. I think there's the the one aspect which is definitely the algorithms, which is the predictive side of things. We want to be able to know what people are seeing with that with the disease that they have. But there's also equally important the correction or the enhancement side of things, which is implemented through augmented reality. So we also have a major push and effort in that space. How do you take these predictions and do something to the image? And display it to the user so that you know it's actually better. It's a better visual experience for them. So we have both those arms that happen together. Really good. And uh, as a, uh, I mean, a really, really, I think deep question. Really, I mean, really beneficial for many people. For people that who listen to this podcast, I want to know that if you based on your experience, I wanted to ask both of you that if you want to tell us one piece of advice to people who love to enter, to have a, to this area, to have a company and to be, uh, to have, to be entrepreneur in, especially in the artificial intelligence and robotic, which advice you have for them? Yeah. So I think, uh my background being in computer vision uh, and medical robotics, the thing I would say and I would emphasize a lot is that there's nothing wrong with doing science cool stuff because you love doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is not the criteria for a good business. Um, a good business is by definition something where there is an exchange of money for something in return. And that requires people to want to pay for and want what you're developing. It doesn't have to be a product. It can, it can be anything. It could be algorithm. It could be an idea. It could be whatever. 
Um, but just playing around with the cool and up and coming uh, ideas in machine learning and robotics does not make for a good business. It makes for good science um, and it makes for really good advancements of you know, our understanding of things, but that, that is not the criteria for a good business. So pay attention to that when formulating a business. Pretty good. And how about you, Michael? Uh, the biggest advice I would give um, is about the people that you surround yourself with. Um, it's great. I love people have big egos. I myself have a huge ego. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need to set it aside and surround yourself with people that are better than you are. Um, and this is how you're going to be able to have great teams. Uh, the people needs, need to be uh, able to work together. But if you are the most intelligent person in the room, you have a problem because it means that no one can push forward the, the company. My goal personally uh, is to be the dumber in the room at all time. And that is not something I, th I think is so easy to do uh, because at, at a lot of points, you're going to have an, an ego going in uh, where you, you might feel left out and it's totally okay. Uh, at some point, if you want to start a company, uh, people need to be better at what you are uh, than you, you do. And one of my mentors um, told me that basically the job of a CEO is to be the incompetent in chief. Uh, and this is what it is because you're going to hire someone in marketing that needs to be better than you in marketing. You're going to hire someone in tech that needs to be better than you in tech. You can need to hire someone in HR that needs to be better than HR. And everywhere you're going to hire people that are going to be better than you and might as well start soon with your co-founders and uh, with your mentors. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it when it's going to be employees that are going to tell you, hey, this is what we should do. If you never practiced having this humility uh, to listen to people that are smarter than you are. Really, uh, you mentioned uh, a very uh, important thing that it's come from your experience uh, that it's better. And you told a word that a sentence that was really interesting that if you are with the people or in a room that all are better than you, you should leave that room. And it's really, I mean, it's really good. And uh, I know that it's based on your experience. Both of you told. Uh, really interesting words for people who wanted to be entrepreneur. And uh, I, I want to tell that, thank you very much for putting your time and for your time, for your consideration, you sharing with us about your many, many uh, good things, many notes and valuable experience. Thank you very much. and. Have a good time, and I hope that see you that progress every day, every day, and every day. Thank you very much for having us. It was a blast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. We reached my favorite part of the podcast. It is reviewing a good movie in summary without spoiling it. For the first episode, I chose a movie that I saw recently, and its name is I Am Mother. I Am Mother is an Australian movie in the genres drama, mystery, and science fiction. This movie is a Netflix one that was produced in 2019. Grant Spature is the director of 
uh, I Am Mother, and the main actors are Clara Rugard, Hilary Swank, and Raz Brain. This two hours movie has a score of 6.7 on the IMDb website. This story follows a time, maybe in future, that almost all humans are extinct by a robot. A humanoid robot called Mother try to repopulate the Earth and hence it protects an Imbro to be a genius girl for the ideal future world. In this movie, this girl is called Daughter. Also, the Mother is actually a vast AI system, not just a single robot. Basically, the scenes happen in a banker or underground research facility that is a fully modern area for the daughter and mother. During the movie, you can see how a huge challenge make them robots and human enemies. I prefer letting you watching this movie good movie. If I go further, it will spoil. In I Mother, you can find a lot of fascinating details, not only in visual effects, but in the story. Moreover, the mother has the style of a modern robot and you can accept it easily. I suggest this movie for all robotics lovers. This weekend is your turn to watch it, and if you like, share with me your opinions. In the final section of this episode, I want to introduce a great book. The book is entitled The 100-Page Machine Learning by Andrei Burkov. Dr. Borkov is a machine learning expert based in Canada, I think originally from Russia. Uh, the book cover is black with a really simple design. This book is distributed on the read-first by letter principle, so maybe the free PDF version of the book is published deliberately. I strongly suggest you read this book if you are a beginner or expert on ML, because almost all important topics of ML are covered within just 135 pages. This book consists of 11 chapters. After the preface introduction of the various types of ML, it provides notation, definition, as well as fundamental algorithms in the first pages. Uh, in these chapters, you will learn some definitions and algorithms such as regression, decision tree, support vector machine, blah, blah, blah. Basic principles of ML, neural networks, deep learning, supervised learning, and unsupervised learning methods are other subjects of this book. All in all, as I told, reading this book helps you to get useful knowledge in ML with the lowest time. The absorbing factor of this book relates to simple explanation. If you are zero in ML, don't worry, you can read it and enjoy it. The figures are colorful and inside the book there are some QR codes. By scanning QR codes, you will get a link to the book's wiki website and you will access additional materials. This book is available on famous websites like Amazon. If you like this book, buy, read and learn. Thank you very much for listening this episode. I tried to make a useful episode for you. I know there are still some issues, but I am so interested to hear your opinions. If you like this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends. Have a great week. Bye-bye.